Hey, welcome to the Sexy Aging Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Minoknuku. I now have a published book called My Menopause Memoir, and you can easily access this from Amazon. I'll pop the link in the show notes so you can get your copy too. Mel is a fitness icon in Australia and has been a source of support and advice to so many through the years, and particularly during the pandemic when fitness centres were affected so badly. Mel started as a group fitness trainer teaching Les Mills classes over 20 years ago and quickly solidified her place by opening fitness clubs that have all been successful. The key to Mel's success is to stay at the cutting edge of innovation and conversation. Mel is the pivot queen. So what makes someone like Mel so dynamic and driven? Well, how about living with a brain tumour for nine years? Tune into this fast-paced and inspiring interview with Mel Tempest from Australia. I guarantee you'll be inspired to get up and get after your own goals. Let's go. Full send. Hey, so welcome to the Sexy Aging Podcast. Cannot freaking believe that we haven't had this catch up yet I'd like to introduce Mel Tempest now I had to write down quite a lot of things so I was looking through your um your resume Mel and like I got really overwhelmed (laughs) which is in a good way because you are a force to be reckoned with in the industry you're based in Australia I'm just going to give a few bullet points and then I'm going to ask you to share probably what you want to share most about your journey through the fitness industry. So we are once again, touching on fitness and what it means for women in midlife. So you are a fitness industry icon in Australia. There wouldn't be many people that don't know who you are, Mel. We met in Singapore. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was the moment that we actually physically met. Would that be right? That's absolutely true, but I have to say when I started out in the industry, Tracy, you were one of the people that I aspire to be like. So oh, this, throw this that. is a real big thing for me today. I'm so excited. I really, really, yeah, I really am excited about it. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. That might have been like something at Filex or Uh, It was through, it was through programming. It was through programming Uh, as a new person, you know, you got on and you watched all the Les Mills stuff and Les Mills was the first programs that I, that I started out in. And then uh, I came across you guys as a team when you did venture over to Filex. So again, you know, watching from afar. So, you know, when, you know, you, you became part of the WeFa team and I became part of the WeFa community. It was like, Oh my God. I can't believe that I'm getting to speak to these people. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, it's very mutual. I'm going to carry on, okay? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I met you in Singapore and you were running the um, Ignite Business Breakout Sessions. And I was like, whoa, this woman commands the room. And I was like, she is to be revered. <laughs> um, you have multiple accolades across the USA and Australia for presenting, for, pa- for paneling. Is that even a word? paneling um you are you have a highly followed podcast yourself called the gym owners podcast i know a lot of people get a lot of value from your podcast episodes um i've tapped into a few of those as well so there's always really good insights there and my favorite part about you no bullshit (laughs) no bs here yeah so um now do you want to just elaborate a little bit more on you know your foray into the fitness industry you're obviously more probably more involved in fitness although I think you're still teaching classes as well right yeah 
Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tracy, I got into the industry back in 2003. We opened a club because uh, my fitness coordinator told me I couldn't teach body jam. And so I went home and I said to my husband, I want to open up a gym. And I only had 18 months experience in the industry at that stage. So I was pretty grateful to even have a, you know, like a body step class or something like that. But I really wanted to teach dance and she said no. And at that time I was in my mid thirties. So I just went home, said to my husband, I want to open the gym. And he said, how much does it cost? And I was like, I don't know. And I just made up this bullshit number. That probably really nowadays wouldn't even buy you two treadmills. Yeah. That, that that is how the journey started but it was another 18 months before we finally did open up that gym and we opened up in a 400 square meter church hall that was renovated into a mini gym which people now call boutique studios and um our club was actually called body body and soul health and fitness studio and everybody said to me back in 2003 why would you put the word studio on the end now we're 2022 and it's the most, you know, Whoa, you've got a boutique studio, let's hashtag yeah. boutique studio. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we were there for about four or five years. I opened up Australia's first men's only gym facility. And then uh, about 18 months, two years later, we put both the mixed club and the men's only club into a bigger facility, which we're in now. And we're very fortunate that we own the freehold. And this September, we celebrate 19 years in business. So wow. fitness is what made me open up a club. The success of the club is because I like to do things different. You know, I don't want to have what everybody else has got. And that's why we have been successful. And we also understand our community and we have changed with our community. So we, you know, our demographic that we had in 2005, Trace, is not the same demographic 2010, 2015, 2022. So changing our business along the way has what led us to success. Yeah. So I just want to tap into that. Like what, what have you seen from a change perspective with the demographic? What are you noticing in the fitness industry? Uh, so like right now, 2022, most definitely my age group are coming back into the clubs. Uh, they are wanting to do anything that involves social interaction. So I, I feel that even though group fitness is huge in our club, I feel circuit classes uh, are more popular than, and I, and I mean this in a good way, are more popular than, say, uh, a, a barbell class or a step class. So freestyle step is very popular in our club. But anything that allows social interaction and encouraging each other during the workout. So in a barbell class or even in a step class, it's not like you can walk over and go, high fives, you know, Tracy, because she's doing an amazing job. But circuit classes, and that's what HIT is, it's a circuit class. Mm. Uh, these are bringing people back into the clubs because they've been doing those classes through lockdown. So they've been at home, they're jumping on, they're doing a HIT workout or whatever the class is called. Nobody there to judge them except for the dog or the cat. Yeah. And they can sit down during the class. No one can see them. They can have a rest and then they get back up 30 seconds later, work at their pace, do as much as they possibly can. And what's happened is they now feel confident and comfortable to walk into the club and go, 
I'm going to come along and try your functional class tonight or your circuit class or your hit class. Uh, and they feel confident and they feel part of everybody else in there and part of that social interaction and all there with the same agenda. So those types of classes are becoming really, really popular, I think, in most clubs. Yeah, no, I, I'd actually have to agree with you. The circuit style classes with the the high five interaction and even though you know we're not supposed to touch people people don't care they're like <laughs> oh no <laughs> i i want to be here for the people in front of me and you know just having the conversations between the breaks and that stuff is really cool whereas if you've got everyone front facing to the instructor at the front there isn't really that interaction right so no, no. yeah i mean people like there's a shared collective energy without a doubt but there's something about everyone being on the floor at the same level moving around which I think is really, really cool. Hey, Mel, um, we've both been in the industry a really long time, but you have a really unique story. And I just want you to just take a little bit of a back step and tell us about your story when you had a bit of a health scare and it was quite a smash up health scare. So are you happy to share that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was teaching a, a body pump class in, in my own club and I was on the stage and... Uh, Instead of telling everybody to get down on their bench because it was a chest track, I told everybody to get down on their chest to work their bench. And I thought to myself, geez, I'm glad the bloody music's loud because yeah. how weird was that? So anyone that's been to my class, Trace, will tell you that I break every rule. The music's up too loud. It's a rock concert. And, you know, so I was like, wow. My kind of class, actually. My kind of class, true. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and I had a, a couple of other things going on in my life at that stage. We had a, we were running another style of group fitness uh, programs. And so I had a lot, lot going on in my head about, should I stay with them? Should I go? And I, I was, went home uh, that night and was sitting on my laptop and the room took off at about a hundred miles an hour. And I was like, whoa, mm. this is not too good. And I had a bit of tingling in the face. Anyway, the short of it is I did the right thing. I went off to the doctors and told them what was going on. And they sent me off for a, uh, an MRI, which is what you do. And I ignored going back to the doctor to find out what the result was. And the reason that I did that was because when I had the MRI done, I came out the machine and the the nurse in there who was a male nurse tapped me on the shoulder and said, I hope everything works out. Now that, yeah. So I was like, nah. <laughs> I don't think that I've got overloaded pre-cori stuff in my brain. There's obviously something else going on. So uh, ignored going back and I've got a phone call. Can you come in? So I went in, sat down and my doctor said, you've got a brain tumor. Now, um, this is probably the most bizarre part of all of this. So I went on to ask him a few questions. He was very honest and upfront and said, look, I really don't know a lot about this brain tumour. You're going to have to go in and see a specialist in Melbourne, da, 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 da. I then got in the car, drove to the gym and taught a freestyle step class. And it's what I love the most. And I realised yeah. at that moment, standing on that stage, that, should this be a really bad thing for me that I owe it to the people on the floor to, to do the absolute most that I'm still here for them in five or 10 years time. And because they rely on me. And for some people I've always said this, and you know, this too, that coming to the gym is the best part of their day and mm. they totally rely on us. So the short story of it was that, yeah, I went into uh, Royal Melbourne and 
have a brain tumor and still have a brain tumor behind the eye in the center of the brain. And at about year four, uh, my neurosurgeon told me that, you know, the tumor had grown. There's something, we have to do something about this. And I had already told them day one that I won't have surgery. I'm never gonna have surgery. You can't promise me that uh, I'll wake up and still be that loud Mel on stage that has the music up too loud. And, you know, and I didn't wanna be put in a position where there was a small possibility that, you know, I might wake up and not know who Tracy is and not know who my kids are. And though that's a one in a billion, it's still that one in a billion. Yeah. So um, I went on to have what they call a radio stereotactic um, treatment to my brain. You go in, they lie you on a bed and they put like a jelly all over your face and it creates a mask that is just for your your face and I went back uh, about 10 days later and did eight days of intense radiation treatment to my brain they put the mask on your face and then they bolt you to the table and another like mask goes over the top of that and then the table lifts up into the air and this big machine just been, it doesn't spin around your whole body. It just spins around your brain um, for the for the duration of the treatment. So went into Peter McCullum, uh, as I said, every day for about eight days and had that done. And the end result of all of that is that I still have a brain tumour in my brain. Um, it grew a little bit, then it stopped. And I go each year into the cancer hospital to have it monitored. I go through an MRI. Uh, do all the things that people that have had uh, different types of cancer understand what I'm talking about. And yeah. yeah, I have to go in and have that done every year. And yeah, it's still there. And um, will it grow bigger? I don't know. Will I die from it? I don't know. Do I let it change um, my goals? Absolutely not. Do I let it rule my life? Absolutely not. It's there. I can't change it. So I've learned to live with it. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I might say my words back the front and I go, oh, God, is that the tumour or is it just that Mel's had a big day and she's a bit tired or she's talking too fast, which is something that I'm known for. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I, it's still there and there's not much I can do about it. Uh, Nick, this year, sorry, 2022 will be my ninth year with it. And I'm hoping that when I get to my 10th year, that they'll give me a break from having to have all those tests every year and maybe it'll just be every five years. Yeah, that's an incredible story. I mean, a lot of women that I talk to on the podcast, uh, they have defining moments around choices in their life based around hitting 50, right? There's a, lot, there's a whole lot of stuff that yeah. happens, obviously that make you go, I'm not putting up with this crap any longer or these people, this is the thing I've always wanted to do and I'm gonna move in this direction and nothing's gonna stop me. So I've had heaps of those conversations. I see a similarity for your situation, but I think if anything, your situation is more powerful <laughs> to ensure that you deliver on your purpose every single day, right? Yeah, I think, Trace, you know, I had something happen to me earlier on in, in life. Um, we have three living children, but we have four children. Yeah. And um, when I was 19, my son and uh, my husband and I lost uh, 
our son. He was born six weeks early. And that was a very defining moment for me because I, I realized then and there, because, you know, when you're 18, 19, you think you know everything and nothing yeah. can hurt you and all those types of things. Yeah. And then I realized then and there that you can't control everything that happens in life and that the things that are thrown at you, you do have to jump the hurdle and keep moving forward. And there's been many moments with me where I've had to jump the hurdle, move forward, you know, not let those those moments define me as a person. And it's probably made a little part of me, Tracy, a little bit hard. Yeah. So um, to earn my trust is an absolutely big thing. I always put up this massive big wall when I meet people and you've got to earn your trust from me. And unfortunately, that's just part of, you know, the male, the male Tempest brand. It's just the way it is. And, and over those bad moments throughout the last, you know, 30, 40 years that have happened to me, I've tried not to allow that to happen because I've sort of said, this is something that's terrible. It's happened to me. I know how I felt inside. This has happened to somebody else. They would have felt like that. And I, and I try not to be that person with the trust, but unfortunately it is part of the genetic makeup. But those experiences have changed me in other areas of my life. So I'm probably more empathetic towards a lot of people now, whereas, you know, sometimes I can be known to be like, can you just put your big girly pants on and get on with it? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm, what is the problem here? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, well, I actually appreciate that. So it's actually unique. I mean, it's interesting to me that you say that, that, you know, you put up this wall and it, you have to earn your trust. I've never, I mean, we haven't spent a lot of time together, but I've never had that feeling that I would have to prove anything to you. Or, I mean, I can see, I can see externally how other people might be intimidated by you. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, freaking just read your resume <laughs> and people would be intimidated, but I don't get that feeling at all. I just have a genuine sense of this is a woman who has, you do have empathy and you do take care. I mean, you, you love people because you get up and teach classes. Now, that's a really unique thing that we both have in common. Like even through the years, we're still putting ourselves out there because it's such a, an empowering, amazing thing that we get to do. You know, if we get to do it, I teach like two or three classes a week. It's a fucking blessing that I get to do that, you know, and that shared energy and everything. And I, and the really cool thing about being sort of like the age that I am and still teaching is I actually don't really care what comes out of my mouth anymore. <laughs> and I can see that people are loving it and having a great time and that I'm just not thinking about all the things I should be saying. I'm just, yeah. doing, you know, and, and that's really cool. I think you probably feel the same way, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, over the mainly in the in the fitness industry. So I had a lot yeah. for the fitness industry, but mainly in the fitness industry, when I started to decide that I wanted to, I don't know if you want to call it fitness business coach consultant, whatever, but just help others. It was really interesting because every time I would post on Facebook, there would be somebody that would be in the background going, you really shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> you're gonna be pissing people off because if you piss people off Mel you know like you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do this and they won't let you do that and I was just like I don't get this because we're here to inspire people to be the best that they can be and you're telling me to shut the fuck up yeah I don't get it um you know you've got kids and I've got kids 
If your kids come home from school and say, little Johnny's bullying me at school, what do you say to them? Don't put up with that bullshit. You go back there and you give it back. But as an adult, you want me to put up with the bullshit of the fitness industry and shut up. I don't get it. Yeah. I just, I just don't get it. And so I would rather miss out on some of the things that were on my bucket list. I would rather that than falsify the person that I am because I don't get up every day to go out and deliberately vilify others. I am just honest with who I am. And that's what we're supposed to be as human beings. Yeah. And the other part is you are 100% entitled to your opinion because it is based on your personal experience. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, and it's good because it's, it's open to debate. It, it just creates amazing debate. Um, so I just want to take a segue here, but it is kind of similar to what we're talking about. The fitness industry hasn't traditionally been so kind to women of our vintage. <laughs> it feels like we have to smash a few walls down and, you know, clear out the glass ceiling and, a few people down um obviously uh we're starting to see more women doing that and successfully doing that um my personal experience in asia working across corporate fitness uh when i when i arrived and when i left there was not enough significant change that i would be satisfied what's your experience with this man i i think we need to put our boxing gloves on this smash <laughs> Smash uh, a few yeah, jaws. Baby. <laughs> Smash a few jaws because jaws because you know what? Um, I'm still fighting the big fight for for women of the industry, and I think because people like you and I allowed, and people like Emma Barry allowed, we have to fight for others who, and I mean this in a good way, who are a little bit weaker and won't stand up for themselves because shit, you know, there's a lot of talented women out there that could do the job that men are currently doing in our industry and we could do it a whole lot better. And I say that, I say that because females are the biggest consumers in our industry. So there should be more females heading up our industry. And I find that the men that head up parts of our industry are from the old school. You know, this is the way it's done and this is how it's always been done. And you've only been in the industry 20 years, Mel. Well, I've been in the industry 30 years. Well, what the fuck have you done in your last 30 years? <laughs> you know what? I think I've done a freaking lot more than what you have done. And again, I mean this not too much in a negative way, but um, less women seem to kiss ass and drop to their knees than men do to get where they want to go. Mm. And I just think that, you know, we are still we are still fighting the fight to be heard, to be seen, and to be put in into positions of leadership. We don't threaten men. We can bring to the table a different perspective that's going to help their businesses and the industry grow on a national and global level. Yeah. So let us in the door. Don't fear us. If you fear us and what we've got to say, it means generally that you've got something to hide. Yeah. How I look at it, Trace. Yeah, well, the thing is, if, if a guy was saying exactly what you just said now, there would be no issue. You know, uh, like, you know, there'd be absolutely no, I mean, because I still think that people will listen to this now, let's just be honest, and go, oh, you know, pretty bullshit out there. But it, it we can't say it enough because the, it, I see and you see it's not changing fast enough. Like, here we are, we're still here. <laughs> and yeah. it's not... And I, that's why I said I went into Asia 20 years ago. I left last year. I didn't see enough change to be satisfied with the change. Therefore, I'm going to make a change for myself 
in a you know a more unique authentic way that expresses myself better physical aging aside Mel what are the top three lessons that you've learned and you apply to yourself daily to achieve your goals and I know that you're doing some pretty BHAG big hairy audacious goals every day <laughs> um three you know I get up every day and um you know I just be the best that I can be and I grab people by the hand that I can see that are probably suffering a little bit and need a little bit of a helping hand. Uh, one of the goals that I set up for myself this year was to take women in my age group into small group training and to work with them to help them try and achieve some of their physical and their mental health goals that they have. So my group of women tonight are sitting on a, uh, a seminar with Craig Harper and I'm not going to the seminar. I don't need to be there, but you know, for them to open up. So opening the doors for others, I think that's a really big, important um, part of my goals, you know, right through my whole, my whole fitness journey. There's nothing Tracy that I get up every day. I, I don't write down three things that I need to accomplish today, you know, be the best that I can be. If somebody comes to me and I feel that um, they need to be given opportunity and I can create that for them, then why not do it, you know? And um, just be honest and, you know, and, and encourage everybody else to be like that and be a good person. You know, don't don't deliberately get up, as I said earlier on, to vilify and piss people off. Just be, if you're being true to who you are, the rest should come for you anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for that inspiration, Mel. That's, um, I think a lot of people will resonate with that. It's just really awesome to hear someone verbalize it you know all right so I've got a couple of quick fire questions um just so we can get to know you a little bit more and have a bit of fun with this coffee or tea oh coffee <laughs> <laughs> I knew that you're in Melbourne it's like isn't that like the most iconic place for coffee coffee yeah. coffee coffee yeah yeah and then the next is Wellington where I'm from so you know we're like sister cities but I'm not living in Wellington because it's too cold um all right mojito or margarita Oh, mojito. <laughs> Cat or dog? Oh, I've got one of each. Oh, my God. How do you choose? It's like choosing children. Don't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> All right. Tropics or winter? Tropics, tropics, tropics. Yes, that's cool. Hey, Mel, thank you so much for um, this amazing interview. I know that there'll be people that will be like Googling Mel Tempest. <laughs> and um, I'm so, so pleased that we finally got to catch up on Sexy Aging. Thanks, Tracy. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for having me. Yes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sexy Aging. Every episode leaves me feeling more educated and inspired. If there is a topic that you would like to hear about or a person you believe would make a great guest for Sexy Aging, then drop me an email, tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at sexyaging.com or direct message to the Sexy Aging Instagram or Facebook accounts.